Welcome to the Grace for the Growth podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Leo. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you on your own growth journey by empowering you to live your life with authenticity, freedom, and confidence. We will get real and raw as we dive into honest conversations about life, faith, business, relationships, dating, healing, and so much more. My goal is that you would walk away from our time together feeling a little less alone, a little less crazy, and a little more brave to be yourself. I hope you will find yourself more compassionate to past you, challenged as present you, and excited for future you. Embrace the story. Welcome the messy of it all. Sit in the unknown. And most importantly, live authentically. So pull up a chair in my virtual living room and let's dive into today's conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Grace for the Growth. I'm so excited about today's conversation, today's episode, and to introduce you to another one of my wonderful friends that has just, I don't know, we've connected a lot in the last six months, and I'm so excited for you. So hello, Bridget, and welcome to Grace for the Growth. Hello, friends. Hi. Thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Of course, of course. So we, okay, so we crossed paths, like probably started, I mean, I definitely followed you probably years ago and was like, I feel a lot of alignment with this friend. I love Mm -hmm. her energy. I love just so much about who you are and all that stuff. And then, I don't know, something happened or shifted or you shared something about your story. And I was like, oh my gosh, even more so. And so um, we reached out, we started talking in DMs and um, have just built this beautiful friendship over the last six months. And just, um, it's a joy to partner with you and journey with you. And we, uh, we have very similar, I I feel like we're in very similar seasons of ministry and life and, and growth and all of these things. And so, um, to have you as a voice in my life and to have you as somebody who is just an encouragement to everybody interact with you challenge me, like your perspective just is so healthy and is so honest. And so, um, I am excited for the first of what I'm sure will be many conversations that we have together and that we share together. So um, I'm excited that you're here. And so if people don't know you, yeah. would you tell them about who you are and all of that um, as before we jump in today? Yeah. Well, first I want to comment on our meeting. For me, it was just such a special moment. Um I think it's been interesting, like just over the past couple of years, like getting actually able to meet people that I meet online, which has been great. It just kind of humanizes the experience of like, oh, I'm not just like sending out information to just like random robots. Like they actually are people with real life stories and real life connections. But for me, it was super important. You reached out right before I moved. So I recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I lived in Ohio for five years. And so it's just kind of wrapping up that season. And when you reached out, um, I mean, I definitely was a ton of fear in moving, Um, which I think is normal and natural to feel a lot of loneliness of, hey, I'm starting my whole life over. Obviously, I'm bringing me with me, but all of my rhythms and routines, all of my friends, all of my connections, I was like my grocery store, my post office, like (laughs) all of this stuff is new and it it is a lot for your nervous system to process. So just was so Mm -hmm. kind to feel like – to feel like God had already planted someone because you said like you followed me a long time before. So it was for me, it was super like I felt really seen by God of like he had already planted a friend for me in this season before I even knew this season was 
going to be necessary to take place. So I'm just super grateful for your friendship and excited for all of our chats and both personally and professionally and so glad to be with your crew this morning. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here as well. Okay. So that being said, um, we're all about growth journeys and, Mm -hmm. and talking about it. And you, as you just alluded to, have been on quite the journey. Um, and, and this last season of you moving has only been a small portion of that, Mm -hmm. of the journey that you've been on. And so, um, you have so much encouragement and so much experience and such a powerful message to bring. Mm -hmm. So what, tell us a little bit about your journey and what you've learned along the way, um, what the Lord is really empowering you and encouraging you in this Mm -hmm. season and, and what you feel led to share with others as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I met Jesus when I was 13 on my bathroom floor, uh, had started going to youth group with a neighborhood friend and just really started to get captured by this kind Jesus. And I remember I was on the bathroom floor and I said, um, hey, Lord, like I don't really know anything about this whole Christian thing, but I'm all in, like whatever. I'm not really sure what that looks like yet, but I'd like to know you. And so just began this journey and this desire to know him, to be plugged into community and really grateful that I had um, a really beautiful church community that was really um, impactful in my journey of understanding scripture and um, being mentored. And I, all of those are really great experiences. But um, with that also held the pain of um, a belief system that did not have space for women in leadership. And so mm. it was kind of this um, inner pull of, hey, I want to preach. I want to lead Um, but yet that doesn't really seem like there's space for this here. And again, it wasn't necessarily an overt thing that I heard, but it was kind of subconscious of, Ooh, there's not enough space for me in this environment. And so, um, I ended up going to college down by New York city at Nyack college. Now it's referred to as Alliance university. And, um, it just kind of expanded my understanding of Jesus, of the Holy spirit, of what it means to be in ministry. And I, had plans of like, okay, great. Like I'm going to marry a youth pastor. Um, and we're going to have 800 children and that's just going to be my life. Um, and so I quickly realized that that was not the path that was going to unfold in front of me. And so I was like, okay, great. I'll just go again. I started taking, um, ministry classes with the intention that I was going to learn stuff to help a man lead, like to help a husband lead. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I remember sitting in, one of my college classes Wednesday, one day, and I just felt the Holy Spirit was like, hey, you know, you can do this too, right? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like me be a pastor, like, is that even legal? Like I didn't, I was like, this was so far out from what I had grown up with contextually in my, in my church system. And so it just kind of began this stirring of, okay, what do I believe scripture has to say about women in leadership? What do I, uh, what would it look like for me to lead? What would it look like for me to lead as a single person? Like what, all of those things. And so my last summer, I had one more semester to finish my last summer before um, I finished college, I ended up taking an internship in Ohio. Um, And again, I just had full intentions of like, I'm just going to go for the eight to 10 weeks, whatever it was. And I'm going to have a great time, but I'm going to check it off for my resume and for finishing my college you know, requirements and I'm done. Ended up falling in love with the church and with the people and was just kind of like, I would really love to be part of this, this church. Um, and so I went back to school and it was kind of like, Hey, we love you. Um, but there's not space for you right now on our team. So please feel free to pursue other opportunities. Um, 
And so two weeks before I graduated from college, I had another option in mind, but I still was like, I really want to move to Ohio. And it wasn't one of those things where um, I think sometimes I say this and people, sometimes it can be offensive, but like, I don't feel like Jesus called me to Ohio. It was just a place where there was space for me to be who God asked me to be. Um, And we can talk about that in a little bit about like my understanding of calling, but like it was a place where there ended up becoming space for me to take on leadership. And so I pastored full time at an incredible church there um, and was able just to kind of grow. I kind of laughingly say they, you know, they gave me keys and I'm like, okay, here we go. And I was like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, And so it was five incredible years with them. And there had always just kind of been this understanding that at some point the Lord would launch me into a new season for me to be able to um, kind of do ministry on my own terms. Um, And so it, just was really clear at last fall that I was ready to make that transition. And so I moved to the South, which I'm loving, uh, to Nashville. And so I now have my own company, consulting company, um, called Recovery Life Consulting, where I'm a life coach that I get to meet with people one-on-one to talk about how we grieve well, we rest well, and we love well. Um, I felt like if I was to pull my life apart in the core values that I own, like it would be those, it would be those three things. It would be really about, I say, Um, I hope that on my tombstone, it says here lies a woman who grieved and rested really well. Um, And I mean that like I obviously a woman who's known for loving Jesus, of course, but I think within that there's a specific um, blueprint that you get to live out in your life that shows shows God. And I think for me, I've just really focused in on what does it mean to be a person who grieves really well, who rests really well and who loves really well. with boundaries and health and emotional intelligence and um, supernatural grace and all of the above, but it's kind of seeing how all of those worlds collide is kind of where what's brought me to where I am right now. Yeah. I love that story so much. And I, and you really do live out those three Mm -hmm. core values and Mm -hmm. it, it is not just in your business, but it is flowing through every area of your life. And you know, even the way that you encourage people and you empower me, like even this week, like you messaging me and I I made an intentional decision to rest well this week and for you to be like, for you to call that out and for you to see that in me. And so you do that in other people so well. And I think, I think we talk a lot about loving well, especially in the church. I think we talk a lot about loving people, like, you know, love God, love people. Those are the commandments, like, and how to love well. Um, I think we talk a lot about that. I don't think we talk enough about loving ourselves and our journey enough, but I think we talk a lot about loving well, but I don't think we talk a lot about the process of grief. Um, And one thing that you talk about a lot that just is such a, like a unique message or something I don't hear about very often Mm. is that the healthiness of grieving Mm -hmm. and the cost of grieving and what grieving brings us and provides us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think especially in this world and a post 2020 world, like some of us are, are finally learning to, to talk about rest. And I've talked about rest before and how it's so easy to be busy, 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 but this concept of grieving, um, I did a, uh, Instagram live like maybe a year ago about, um, holding grief and gratitude in the same yep. place. And it feels Absolutely. like it's very hard sometimes to hold both of those feelings, mm-hmm. but it just feels like sometimes grief. Um, I know at least for me, 
I've only allowed myself to grieve in previous seasons of like big tragedies, big yeah. trauma, um, maybe a maybe a death, maybe a loss of a season, maybe a loss mm-hmm. of a job, like and those big things, and and compare yeah. my grief to others and say, okay. Um, this situation or this relationship did not meet my expectation and I feel this desire to grieve or I am having to make this choice to live the way I'm living or set this boundary and I'm having to choose to grieve in this way. But sometimes I wouldn't even allow myself to step into that grief because I would be comparing grief to others and being like, Oh, like I remember specifically needing to make a decision to grieve through and know, oh, but my friend is walking through a miscarriage right yes. now. Like mm-hmm. I can't compare what I'm going through to a loss of a child. Like yeah. right, like who am I? Like who mm-hmm. am I to make my little pity world about having to set a really hard boundary or a missed expectation and comparing it to what she's mm-hmm. going through? And so you just talk so beautifully about grieving and and that it's not it is this healthy thing but it's not this thing that just comes naturally and so yeah. I wonder if you could kind of expand maybe on that thought um or, or kind of go with your journey about about yeah. learning how to grieve well yeah absolutely I think you know the biggest part about what keeps people from grieving is what you said it's like oh I'm comparing it that like I don't give myself permission to honor my pain because someone else's pain is bigger in whatever metric system you're using to calculate, you know, what's allowed to be painful and what's not allowed to be painful. And so there's this fear of, oh, is me grieving the fact that I went to the store and my favorite pens that I love to write with in my journal, they didn't have the one I wanted, but then my friend's mom has cancer. It's like, there's actually enough room to have both. And um, one of the things that I always like say is like, goodness that doesn't have a foundation of grieving well is not stable because there's no trust in it. Like I can say, oh, like Courtney and I are great friends. We go get our nails done together and we celebrate each other and we go out dancing and, you know, she sends me coffee and like all this stuff. It's like, okay, that's great. But if there's actually no trust built of like, hey, I'm really struggling today or hey, you shared this thing online and I actually felt some pain with the way you came across. Can we have a conversation about that? If there's no trust built in the grief tension of that, then the goodness isn't stable. Um, I also call it sober hope. I think it's kind of both in, in the personal dynamic of the trust building, but I think it also works in our relationship with Jesus of like, if you have all this hope, that's like, God's just going to come through for me. He works everything together for good. And it's like, okay, but you haven't actually acknowledged that there's really deep pain here. And if we don't build trust in that space, um, it's really harmful. It's really harmful to our bodies to not honor those emotions. And I think um, for me, I'm not really sure what started it, to be honest. It just was kind of this inner knowing of I have to be a woman who grieves well. Like I have to do this. And I started using language of grief as a spiritual discipline because we have such a negative connotation with grieving or it's only about the death of a loved one. And it only has a certain amount of like your six week bereavement time. I'm like, okay, oh, you're done now. Okay. Like financially, legally, you got to have to move on now. It's like, actually, that's not what it is. I think the other thing that I get a lot of questions about is, well, what if I'm just making stuff up? Like if I'm going to actually sit and grieve my life, like what if my day was fine, but then you told me to sit down and actually 
pay attention to the grief and now I'm crying. It's like, okay, but if that's what your body needed and you just listened to it, that is so much healthier than, oh, I went through the whole day and I wasn't an inconvenience. I think that's a huge thing for me. Like I had to process through that of like, hey, to love someone is to be an inconvenience. And again, it's another one of those charged words that has a negative connotation to it of like, no, it is an inconvenience to reach out to someone. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that with a negative word. I'm just saying it is not going in the normal flow of my life. I have to be intentional to say, okay, I'm going to stop for a second. Um, I'm going to process what's happening with me and it gets to take up space regardless. I think one of the ways that my really good friend um, and I have had to process is um, I was going through a really, really painful season and she was in a season of like, wonderful growth and beauty. And it became this weird tension of like, hey, how do we honor both? Because up until that point, it was kind of like, oh, well, you're having a hard day. I won't share my joy with you. To now be able to say, hey, like I have so much joy that you found the lip gloss that you really wanted at Target. So much joy, honor that. I match that. And yeah, you're waiting to hear back from the cancer diagnosis. And that's awful. And that's painful and that's not okay. And I can fully sit in both of them um, without having to be like, well, one's more important, one's not important. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's just taking that moment. Um, I, in college, it probably kind of what spurred it. I had really great leaders in a class where we actually did a grief journal where, I mean, we were probably, mm-hmm. everyone was probably 18 or 19-ish. Obviously there were older students, but typically it's around 18 or 19. And it's like, okay, from birth until now, you're going to, you know, either write it out or type it out on the computer as many pages as you need to say every painful memory from birth until now, I'm getting it out with whatever language wow. I need to use, however I need to say it. And it was just this honoring of having adults to say, yeah, your pain really mattered. Because yeah. I think the reason why we don't grieve is because we grew up in a society or a family system that says, oh, there's actually not space for this. Now you, mm. oh, you can't do this. And again, it's not, I'm not saying, oh, you had terrible parents or you grew up in a you know, terrible community. It's just a, hey, we weren't taught this. And so I think there's even a grief in that of, yeah. oh, I'm, I even had to process like literally this morning. I was like, oh, I just, you know, I was thinking about, okay, like the first emotion that came up in me was anger and hurt. Like I actually feel really angry and hurt by this person. And I was listening to it. I was listening to a podcast. And as I was kind of processing that, I was like, oh, so much anger, so much hurt. And I was like, oh, actually, if I peel underneath that anger, it's sadness that this leader was taught that being a healthy leader looked like this and it actually is causing more harm. Yeah. So it's actually grief. Like, yes, I have anger and I have hurt. And that's, I get to, I get to honor that in me. But if I peel underneath that, it's a deep sadness of, oh, I'm sad for the little boy and the little girl that were taught, oh, being a healthy leader looks like this. And the this that they were taught is actually more harmful. And I can actually honor just like, oh, sad. Like, yeah, that that's who I have compassion towards. I think for me, like grieving well has given me so much more compassion for people. Um, yeah. Because I can honor all of the story. And I can honor both, right? They get to be like fully human of like, yes, you're wonderful, you're powerful, whatever their sphere of influence is. And yet also, 
I felt I felt some hurt when you said that to me or oh I actually did feel some anger when this came up or whatever oh I just you know it's really painful for me because I don't agree with you politically on this like that's not where I that's not where I fall in the spectrum and so being able to have that space of like okay the goal you know I always say agreement is not a prerequisite for love yes like you don't have to agree with me for me to love you um now depending on if you're going to honor my experience even if it's different um that will kind of dictate how close our relationship could be because every time I'm saying hey this is my perspective this is my experience and you go oh you're a terrible human you have to do it like this um that's harmful it's not helpful um yeah but there's there's room for growth in that I think you know we talk about the grace for the growth right like when you share your experience, even if it's different, without this like evangelism mindset of the goal of this connection is for me to convince you to be like me. It's like, mm, yeah. no, actually the goal of this is that we leave this feeling regarded and connected. And if one of us changes in that experience, there's safety to do that. Because if, right, if, if someone is behaving or believing in a way that I don't agree with and my whole experience in the conversation is judgment, then that does not create long-term stability for connection or mentorship or whatever that may be because it's like, oh, anytime you behave incorrectly, I'm here to judge you compared to say, oh, hey, because again, I think that you can, there's been many times with people that I've mentored to go say, hey, like, what's happening here? Like, I actually feel a lot of sadness. Like as someone who loves you and who cares about you, I feel a lot of sadness about what's taking place in your life right now. Like, can we talk about that? And when I come from that place, instead of this judgment place to say, okay, I'm just grieving my experience of you, um, what's happening, right? And it could be just a total miscommunication of like, oh my goodness, like I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to hurt you. Like I wasn't trying to say it like that. And then there's reconnection or it's a, yeah, I was feeling a lot of anger and really hurt by something that you said. And so I lashed out this way. And again, it doesn't mean that the negative response is okay. It just mm -hmm. creates safety to rebuild connection whenever the conflict happens. So I think specifically in um, friendships, relationships, romantic relationships, uh, church community context, workplace, whatever it is, grieving really well protects relationships. Because there's no longer this, you have to carry a bag of all the secrets in order for me to be okay with you. Because that's just yeah. exhausting. And no one actually wants to live in a relationship like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have found that the process of grief helps me to be more authentic with people. Correct. I think I, I for so long, did not grieve well myself. I did not acknowledge my grief because of comparison, because I love going back to what you said, like about the grief journal and like writing everything out. Like I had a phenomenal childhood compared mm -hmm. to X, Y, and Z compared to other kids that I was growing up with. Like I had yeah. a fabulous childhood. And so, um, what do I have to grieve? You know, what do I have mm -hmm. to look through? And so part of this healing journey for me about grief is acknowledging that grief is healthy and like we've said, it's not just about tragedy. It's about misexpectations. Right. It's about conditioned response. It's about, um, it's about, you know, as you were talking about those leaders and you're like, oh, I have compassion and I'm grieving that those leaders thought this and this and this. Like, I, I can also grieve that for myself. Like, yeah. oh, I can't believe that this conversation or this teacher 
or this girl on the school bus like said this one thing and I didn't realize it until a decade later, but it's created a conditioned response in me. And so I can be sad about that. I can see, I mean, it goes straight along with grace for the growth of like understanding, like I don't need to walk in shame and I don't need to walk in holding all of that so closely, the bucket of secrets, like you just mentioned, I I love that. Like, I don't need to hold that so closely that it feels like this overwhelming amount of secrets. And I think, I think part of, of the conversations that we've had about, you know, you saying like, Hey, like I want to acknowledge like how to grieve well. And me also being like, yeah. And understand that there's compassion and grace for my story, that there's grace Mm -hmm. for, for the growth process. And for like, I didn't have everything figured out. And because I didn't grieve well, guess what? I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, especially formerly being a full-time staff person in a church, like just being human. I know that when people are going through their own grief journeys, I know that mm-hmm. consciously or unconsciously, I am on somebody's list of somebody yeah. that they're having to grieve or somebody that has yeah. hurt them. And mm-hmm. I have done my best to go back and to reconcile and to apologize as I can. But yeah. I know that there is somebody where I was conscious of it or not conscious of it that is living their life or is in a therapy session somewhere yeah. and and my name is coming up. And I if I get the opportunity to discuss that, fine. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there are people in my life that hurt me 10, 15 years ago. I haven't talked to them in forever. Like if there's an opportunity to reconcile, fine, great. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't stop me from grieving and from finding peace myself in the process. Like we don't need a, I'm sorry, I forgive you to walk in health and to walk in growth. We don't Mm -hmm. need this like, place of connection and relationships. And so going back to this, this bottle of secrets, you know, Mm -hmm. of, Hey, if I am sad about Mm -hmm. the pins, not being at the grocery store, if I am sad about missed expectations, if I am sad about how this leader hurt me or this friend hurt me or, um, how this person, I mean, we're both single, how this person on a dating app treated me. Like, ew, I didn't like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, all of this stuff, if we are, if we are just holding on to all of that, because we feel like our grief is not justified because we are comparing grief, then we create this ball of secrets. Then we create this world where we're holding all of our grief, where we don't feel like we have safe spaces to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And therefore we're not being our true self in the world. And so there is this tie of grief and living authentically and living yep. in that freedom and yep. living true to who you are. I think a lot of times, and then I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think a lot yeah. of times when we think about living authentically and living free, mm-hmm. it's this like bubbly sunshine, like wonderful, like I'm just free to be me living my best life. Like, no, I'm I'm living the best life that I can today. And sometimes the best life I can get live today is not as sunshiny as last week or last mm-hmm. month or yesterday. And so living authentically and living free is not this mm-hmm. bubbly sunshine, like, yay, everything's great, highlight reel. Right. There is an honesty to it. And so mm-hmm. grieving is part of that authenticity process. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um... – there's for me one of the things I like to say is I I want to practice being the kindest friend to myself. 
So I am trying to live in such a way that anytime I present an emotional experience to myself, meaning I'm feeling some shame about this, I'm feeling some guilt about this, whatever it is, like that I'm showing up with compassion. I call it compassionate curiosity of like, okay, what's happening? For me, a lot of this language around understanding emotions has come from my really dear friends, Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill with the Connection Codes. Um, Highly recommend checking it out. They have what's called the core emotion wheel that breaks down your eight core emotions. Um, And that was a lot of how I had simple language of how do I pay attention to what's happening inside of me? So that's probably a really great resource. If you're like, hey, I don't even know how to connect to my emotions. That's a really great resource to start. But as far as um, grieving and authenticity, I, I want to present the most authentic version of me. And some days it's going to be my hair curled, my makeup on. It's going to be me looking cute and showing up because there's a way of sorting beauty that says this is the most authentic, beautiful gift that I have to give. Um, and sometimes the most authentic, beautiful gift I have to give is saying, hey, I have zero capacity to cook dinner. If you want to order Chipotle and come over in your sweatpants and I'm going to fold laundry and you're going to you know, work on work on your laptop at the same time. I'd love to be in the same space with you. Or, hey, I, I so I was so proud. I've done this so many times, but I had a friend do this to me recently and I was so happy. We had scheduled a FaceTime call and she texted me and said, hey, I do not have the emotional capacity to have this conversation today. I love you. I miss you. I can't wait to connect, but I cannot be on the screen anymore today. And I was like, oh, thank you. I felt so loved because that was the most authentic gift that she could give was no, me storting beauty, me storting the best of who I am, me storting this connection is saying, I do not have this to give to you. Um, language I like to use whenever I need to. So that's hard, right? I mean, I am, uh, I love caring for people. That's part of just kind of my personality makeup. I love caring for people. Um, it matters a lot to me, like having heart questions. I mean, I, I, you can talk about anything, anytime. That's fine. Um, But when I don't have the capacity showing up honestly and saying, hey, I want to give you the best version of me, I cannot do that today, right? And so just being honest of, it's not a, hey, I don't want to see you. It's not a, oh, I don't like you. It's a, I actually want to give you the best version of me and I can't give that to you right now and being able to set set that. But um, yeah, I I think even kind of just going back to what I'm going to kind of give a definition of what I mean by grieving well, because sometimes I have fear of, oh, people think grieving well means, oh, she's this great grief queen. Like she has this terrible thing that happens to her and she's just like peaceful and wonderful. And she talks about her grief and she never feels it. It's like, no, actually I'm just, I'm honoring, like grieving well does not mean that you stop being triggered. Grieving well means now, instead of resisting the trigger or judging the trigger, you are now engaging with the trigger with compassionate curiosity in a way that you never had before. So grieving well, again, is not that it doesn't impact you anymore, right? Like you might have, uh, I'll give this kind of silly silly example, but it's super real. So I grew up in really small towns my whole life. Um, So city parking, city driving is kind of a new experience to me. Um, So I moved to Nashville and I got tickets to go to a show with with a new friend, a new, like a brand new friend. I think I knew her for about two weeks. And so I get in the parking garage at seven, seven o'clock at night. It's dark. Um, I'm in a city. I don't know where I am. I had never driven by myself yet. And I'm sitting in the parking garage and I'm panicking and I'm like, okay, I can't get out of the car now. Like, yes, physically, I probably could have forced my body to open up the car door and walk in. But my nervous system was like, please don't judge me. Please do not resist me. Like I need help. And I was like, okay, 
I have my tools in my tool belt, which are compassionate curiosity. What's happening? What do I need? Like, I'm allowed to take up space here. I'm allowed to have needs. I'm like, okay. So I call her and I was like, hey, I have a little bit of fear that I'm going to look like a psycho lunatic right now. Um, I need you to come park next to me. Um, I will pay for you to come park next to me. Like, that's what I need. I need partnership and I need someone to walk in. And so I ended up, she's like, okay, great. I'll be there in a, in a little bit. Um, and so I ended up calling my other friend and I said, hey, I'm feeling a lot of fear. I'm so proud of myself. I'm really excited to go to this concert. Um, this feels really scary to me. Uh, I'm afraid of someone coming out and attacking me. I'm afraid of something bad happening. Like this is what's happening. And all she's saying is, yes, that's really scary. Thank you for sharing that with me. Right. It's not a like, oh, you're okay. Like you can just get out of the car. It's a, what? okay, that's what you need. Friend shows up. I walk the like 20 steps to the door out. Like I hope you open up the parking garage side door and I walk 20 steps to the venue. And I was like, oh, I could have done that. But because I took the brave step to say, hey, I need partnership. I had so much fun that night because the alternative, this is, this is the, this is the payout that you have to choose when you're going to grieve. Well, okay. I either make the really hard decision to kind of look stupid in front of a new friend because she had every right to say, yeah, I'm not doing that. If you want to come, great. If you don't want to come, whatever. But again, that's really good information for me to have because if I'm meeting a new friend and I'm in a moment of panic, regardless of how silly or simple, you know, the trauma moment may be, and they go, you're being stupid. You just need to walk to the door. That's not a safe friend for me. I'm not looking for building cheap relationships with people that don't know how to be authentic. Because they might not have a trigger of a parking garage. They might have a trigger of something else. And I'm like, okay, well, if you can't be kind to me, then you can't be kind to you and vice versa. I would say like, if I can't be kind to myself in triggers, I cannot, I do, will not have capacity to have compassion for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I would have disregarded all of those emotions that were happening in me and my, the way that my nervous system was getting like so out of balance because of just this fear from my own trauma history – I would have been spinning on that all night and I would have ruined the experience because the whole night my yeah. body would have been in fight or flight of like, oh my gosh, I have to walk back by myself or I had to come and I was just like, I didn't have partnership. And it's like, I literally, and you, I don't know like how it shows up for you. I think it shows up differently for some people. Um, trauma will sit a lot in their, uh, like their, um, their head. And so it'll feel like really heavy in your head and back of your neck, your neck will hurt. Some people feel it in their chest or it feels like an elephant sitting on their chest. Some people feel it in their bellies where they feel really sick of like, oh my gosh, I feel super sick right now. I do not feel good. Um, all of those systems are actually your body's natural reaction to fight or flight saying, hey, we're not okay right now. Let's shut down every system that's not important. So our digestive system is not important. Our nervous system is not important. Um, and so bringing that compassion back to the experience actually creates what I call pure body memories in your nervous system to say, hey, when I experience pain of any sort, whatever that is for you, when I experience fear, when I experience loneliness, when I experience anger, hurt, my whole life, I've been conditioned to not only the people around me, right? The people around me taught me, oh, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to act that way, whether that was spoken or not spoken. So then I've started behaving that way against myself of like, oh, you're afraid. Don't talk about it. Oh, nope. Just, just have faith, just faith, faith over fear, faith over fear. And it's like, okay, my nervous system doesn't really care right now. My nervous system is like, please help. Um, and so, yeah, I guess for, let's just talk about that with grieving well, if grieving well, is not you not being triggered. It's you learning to be compassionate to yourself when you're triggered. And the crazy thing about that, right? So I made that decision 
that every time I needed to do a parking parking situation, I was going to ask for help. Um, the last time I had to do it, I ended up having a friend. I was like, hey, I actually want you to walk me back to my car. I got to the car and I went, I don't actually think I needed them anymore. Like, I think I'm okay now. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, that might pop up again where I'm feeling some fear about it. But there's been so many, like literally I'll Snapchat my friends and be like, I'm walking through a parking garage right now. I'm being so brave. And it's just that compassion where I'm showing up bravely in a place where there's deep pain. And again, I get to decide, right? It's not about, that's the crazy thing about trauma. It's actually not the size, whether it's a little T trauma, like, oh, I got made fun of on the playground or like a capital T trauma, like I was abused. It's the way that your body stored that information. Yes. And you're not wrong if it's if you stored it bigger than someone else did. It's just kind of one of those things where I kind of hold open handed up like, oh, that's weird. My body stored that information as like a really big pain point. And for the person sitting next to me, they didn't store it that big. Interesting. Yeah. So it doesn't really yeah. matter how your body stored it. It's, it matters that you're going to be kind to what your body needs in that moment. Yes, so, absolutely. And, and yeah. sometimes realizing that sometimes we don't realize that our body stored that moment. Correct. Like Correct. I, I, one thing I've been learning and saying over and over and over again over the last few years is like healing isn't linear. Like mm-hmm. it's cyclical. And I remember the first time I realized that um, grief was healthy and triggers were not bad. Yeah. I was going through – I experienced a trigger again and it was something that I felt like I had really worked through and I mm-hmm. had really healed through. And I had spent a lot of time just like really digging deep into it. And I experienced the trigger. I listened to myself. I had compassion for myself. Why did this happen? Asked myself the questions, was vulnerable, asked for help, like got through it. And then I remember like talking to somebody and being like, yeah, yeah, I got triggered again, blah, 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 blah. And then they were like, well, what did you do about it? And then I explained what I did about it. And they were like, that's that's the key. Like that's the health. That's the growth is listening to yourself, knowing how to respond, knowing Mm -hmm. how to grieve and moving forward. Like that is the tool set. It's not that triggers won't happen. Um, because I think, I think especially growing up in church, like there were just all of these messages consciously or subconsciously of, you know, lay it down at the feet of Jesus, lay down your burden, like surrender, Mm -hmm. like all of these things that are biblical truths. Like I'm not, I'm not (laughs) hating on them, but like lay it down, like not a spirit of fear. Like God has not given us a spirit of fear. Like all of these things that if we're not careful can minimize and even eliminate the opportunity for us to approach ourselves and our bodies and our hearts with that healthy curiosity and compassion, like you said. And so I think especially as we are navigating this this world in this season and and let's just be real like uh, we all experience grief at different levels and i think yeah. um the the grief of different expectations and loss and all that stuff like the the last 3 years have impacted people in a number yeah. of different ways but someone somewhere like in some capacity we've all dealt with a shift a change missed expectation. That's not Mm -hmm. what I thought was going to happen. Like all of these different things. And so it's important for us to listen to that and take Mm -hmm. that space. I love that you share that story so vulnerably. Like I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. And, and understanding that in relationships, like if we are truly going to love well, love each other well, we Mm -hmm. have to a trust that 
there are people that will hold space for our grief and understand that as the friend, like we don't need to fix anything. We don't need to solve anything. Like we just need to hold space for somebody Mm -hmm. to have that grief. And, and I know that my life has been completely enriched over the last several years, as I have said, you know what, I'm going to embrace every part of the story. I'm going to normalize imperfection. I'm going to normalize that I don't have it all together. Like, you know, for me, I joke about it all the time, but crying on the internet, like that's not for everybody. And definitely every time I cry, I do not cry on the internet, but like I have healthy boundaries definitely with what I share and what I don't share. Um, (laughs) but, but I think for me, it's important that we create safe spaces and and our and our grief and our authenticity invites people to do the same. Absolutely. Like I feel so safe with you to be able to grieve when needed to, to be able to be honest when needed to because you live your life that way as well mm-hmm. and you hold compassion and care for yourself that way. And so that automatically invites me in our relationship to step into those spaces as well. And so yeah. Um, I think that whole, I mean, that was just like a nugget of truth is like, like this doesn't eliminate triggers. Sometimes you will feel your body start to heal things. And like, like Mm -hmm. you said, oh, I don't know if I need that anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. And you're rehealing those neural pathways, those fight Mm -hmm. or flight responses. You're healing those things. But it doesn't mean that, that if just because you're triggered again, that you haven't done the work. And I think I had to learn that is like, A trigger coming up is not a failure in healing. Yep. So good. And I think that's the that's the point of I love kind of the tension of both of our worlds of kind of this whole concept of the grieving that's required in living authentically. Because there's a really yeah. high cost to being authentic. And I think that's part of again, that's where that that's where the trust is built for the freedom part. Because we do want you, mm-hmm. right? Like we do want you to be living these extravagant, joyful, like full of purpose and integrity and passion and connectedness. Like we want all of that. But if you don't have a foundation of grieving well, like they will fall at some point because I have to have something to rest on or there's going to fall down. It's like, okay, yeah. we need something to rest on. And so, um, yeah, I think grieving the authenticity piece. So let's like talking about in, in building relationships with people. I think for me, one of the things I've really had to learn in the last two years is what I'm calling, um, allowing people to carry the weight of the hurt that they caused me because Mm -hmm. my worldview was that it's my responsibility. If someone hurts me, I have to carry that pain, but also I don't want to be mean and tell them that they hurt my feelings or whatever it was. So I'll just carry that weight too. Like I'll carry the weight that it hurt me and I'll carry the weight of it, it, what it would hurt them if I speak up and say, oh, I don't like this. And that got really exhausting. Um, and it put me in a lot of toxic cycles with family and friends um, because I didn't have, I didn't take up space. And again, so that was me. I wasn't showing up with my authentic self. And again, I had to take ownership of that's on me. And so um, I love this idea that the most honoring thing that I can do to others is to actually let them know the full cost of what it means to love me. Hmm. Because what's really unkind is for me to say, let's look at a money analogy, right? So 
hey, Courtney, it's going to cost you a dollar a month to be friends with me. Like, go go in here. I know it's crazy, right? It's going to cost you a dollar a month to be friends with me. And you go, great, I got a dollar a month, right? And then the end of the year happens and you get a statement and it says, Courtney, you owe the friendship bank and trust $4,826 for your friendship with Bridget. And you go, what? Like, I don't, I don't have that much money. Like I didn't set that aside. That wasn't part of my budget. Like, oh no. And I'm going, Courtney, like you owe me this much. Like You owe this much money. And you're like, you said it only was a dollar. Like I had a dollar to give and I was happy to give a dollar. Like that felt like a worthwhile investment to me. I was happy for that. Like that felt good with the other yeses I made in my life. I don't have all this money. And then I'm resent, like I have resentment because I'm like, oh, well, she didn't pay the money. And then you're hurt because you're like, I didn't know it cost that much. And so yeah. I know it's a silly picture, but it's like, hey, like there will be people when I show up and say, hey, you know, maybe it's not 4000 Maybe it's $20. Hey, it costs $20 a month or right? 20 emotional dollars a month to be friends <laughs> with me. Um, and some people are going to say, ooh, hey, I can't do that. Okay, great. I'm going to translate this out of money into an actual experience because I just like the money thing of like, hey, it, I don't know. It works in my brain. But if that doesn't work in your brain, kind of translating that into real life. So let's talk about dating for a second. So learning to show up authentically in dating. Wow. Super brave and powerful. Also super painful um, because I realized that up until the last two years, the way that I showed up in dating was, oh, actually, right? It's $20 a month. I'm, I'll pay the $18 a month and you'll only pay the twenty the $2. I'll just yeah. pay the $18 so you don't know. And then at the yep. end, it's going to blindside you. So yes. how this shows up now, right? So it's even tied into the parking garage. So I uh, had started talking to a guy on a dating app. Super kind, super great, you know, low stakes, low stakes situation. He had planned a date. Um, and I kind of realized that because of the joy that I was experiencing, I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. And then I was like, wait a second. If I go here... It's going to be in the dark. It's going to be after work. Like, I'm going to have to deal with a parking garage. <laughs> if I have to handle all of those triggers and then show up to meet a new man, I cannot honor him with the most authentic version of Bridget that's actually ready for reciprocal connection and mm -hmm. intimacy in that space. Like, I cannot do both. And yes. so I ended up, I'm like, okay, I can be really brave. And so I was like, hey, feeling some guilt that I said yes to this. Um, I have so much joy in the, in the idea of us, you know, getting to know each other. Um, I don't feel comfortable with a parking situation. I still would love to connect, but I can't do it. I, I'm not going to do it like this. Can we do this option instead? Again, that was really brave. I was like, I'm going to look like a lunatic. But I'm like, no, if, if I didn't say anything, then yeah. I show up. And the whole time he's going, what's wrong with her? Like, I'm trying to pursue her. I'm mm -hmm. trying to get to know her. And she is shut down. She is RBF. And again, it's nothing against him, but it's because I'm trying to take care of me compared to saying, okay, what would set yeah. me up for success? What would set me up for success is a Saturday coffee date where I can get up, I can clean my house, put on my lip gloss, and I have no other plans. I can go. Great. If I want to leave at that hour mark, I can leave. If I want to say, oh, this is fun. Maybe I want to hang out for a little bit longer. I have space to do that. I actually have capacity in my heart to say, oh, I have room for this because I've, my mm -hmm. heart has what it needs. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing about that story is, is it, uh, he, we ended up canceling the date and never went on the date. 
Um, but because I was authentic, he was able to be honest about what was happening in his story. And he said, actually, I need to process. I'm, I feel really grateful that you chose to be authentic. If I'm going to be authentic with you, I actually don't think I can continue this. And I obviously there was some sadness in that, but I was like, you go, dude. I was like, that was so <laughs> honoring, right? And again, it's weird. It's like, yeah, yeah there's some grief that I was like, oh, it was a really sweet, good looking dude, right? Like this would have been a great experience. But for me to be authentic is to say, I can't do the the, the original plan. I can't do that yeah. with honor. And for him to say, oh, wow, your authenticity challenged me. And if the way for me to be honoring and authentic to you is to say, I can't continue this. And that is mm-hmm. so kind. Like that is so kind and loving to for to say to me. Um, and again, there's been some other situations that haven't been that kind. It's kind of, you know, it's been really disregarded or really hurtful in me, me yeah. showing up and being kind. But um, that's, the, that's the cost, right? Because there's a grief there. Because in that moment, authenticity cost me a date. Yeah. And I wanted to go on a date. Um, but actually what I wanted is I wanted to be in a situation where both people felt honored and matched. And I was hoping that was going to look like going through on the date but it didn't, what it actually would it look like? It looked like something different, um, right? So let's, we can pull it out of the dating context of like, hey, you're in a job interview and the first the first interview is great. And then you have the second interview and you go, hmm, interesting. I thought the time commitment was this. What they're actually asking is this. Ooh, me being authentic mm-hmm. is saying, if you expect me to answer emails all through the weekend, that's actually not gonna work. Because I only have whatever your emotional dollars are, right? Like, let's say their emotional dollars is they want you to pay $50 a week to work for them. And you go, actually, I thought you were going to be paying me. Like, I didn't know this was going the way around. And so the authenticity piece is, oh, actually, I can't do this and vice versa. Because then you actually get to show up too. Like when, when, my, when my friends are like, hey, you know, I know that we had plans to go for a walk, but I'm just not feeling well. I get to go, okay, actually what they're asking me is they're, they're asking me to put a little more imp- input in and I can. So that means my emotional dollars are going to go towards, hey, can I drop off some chicken soup at your house? Yeah. Hey, is there anything that you need? Can I go to the pharmacy for you? Can I pick up something that you need? Can I buy you box of tissues? Like, and they might say no, and that's fine. And I might want to just bless them with it. Or it's just like, okay, great. I just want my space. Awesome. But there is a grief, even when it's good, right? Because when you have, I think it's it's a different kind of pain when you're starting in a, a relationship with authenticity. It's a whole other level of grief when you've had these relationships in place for years, maybe decades, right? Yeah. Family members, long-term relationships, uh, work environments that you've been in for a really long time, your church experience. It's like, oh, whoa. I just started this, you know, emotional health journey. And now I'm realizing there's all these dynamics in my life that I'm like, I don't know that I want to be in this dynamic anymore. Um, And I always tell those people like, hey, when you change a boundary, even when the boundary is good, right? And you'll know you need a boundary when you have resentment. Mm -hmm. Resentment always communicates there is a boundary that has been violated. Here it is. It's like a metal detector. It's a boundary detector. Resentment mm-hmm. is a boundary detector. Oop, there's a boundary here. I didn't know there was a boundary here. Or I didn't know that I was worth protecting this boundary. But now I've acknowledged, oh, actually, I don't like um, I don't like being called 
uh, in the evening. Like I don't like having phone calls. If you if you want to text me, that's fine. But if you want to call me and ask me a question, I would prefer that you. You know, it's like so many different things. It doesn't have to be this giant boundary. It's like, oh yeah. hey, like that's fine that you wanted to ask me about whatever. I'm just not going to respond to that right now. But when you change that, then this other person who benefited from your boundary at a different place or your lack of a boundary altogether, there's a grief that they experience of, oh, wait a second, I once had access to them and now I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And typically when we talk about the boundary conversation, it's usually really harsh and very charged. And it's like, well, they should just understand that I drew this boundary and they have to respect it. It's like, um, yes, you are worth honoring the boundary in place. And mm-hmm. also when you say, hey, family member, when you come to town, um, I'm so happy to see you. Um, I'm not comfortable with you staying at my home. Ooh, yeah. You will 100% be triggered in that moment of like, oh my gosh, so much guilt, so much shame, so much pain. Like they love me so much, but when they're here, X, Y, and Z happens and that violates a boundary for me and I'm not actually comfortable having them in my home. I'm happy to go to lunch with them. I'm happy to you know, go see a movie together. I'm happy to go to dinner. I'm actually not comfortable. Again, where there is resentment, watch, like it's, I'm so grateful for resentment. I love resentment so much because it's such a, again, take the moral standard off of resentment, right? Because typically Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, just repent for being resentful. It's like, maybe not. Let's say, hey, this is giving me really valid information. Yes. But now I have I'm responsible for changing because if I just have resentment and I just want to like bad mouth somebody, oop, not kind. But if I have yeah. resentment and the resentment goes, actually, I'm really uncomfortable with this happening. I'm going to be powerful and change. Then in that space, there's the authenticity to say, ooh, painful for me. Hear that? I get to grieve my side. They get to grieve their side. And we get to make choices that honor the connection going forward. And you'll learn, mm-hmm. right? You'll that's what that's the gift that authenticity gives us. Is you'll learn you'll learn who actually wants to be in the relationship for the long haul, for yeah. mutual respect, mutual growth, or people that just want to use you because you're a convenience to them. Yeah. Ouchie, ouchie. It's 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 helpful information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's healing information. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think I think really so much of what you've said today is about listening to your body, to yeah. your heart, to yourself. I love that you talked about connection codes mm-hmm. and core emotions and all of that because I think sometimes we suppress them. Yeah. Or sometimes like I, I am like – huge like feelings all over the place emotions all over the place high lows you want to talk about the cost of being in relationship with me Mm -hmm. like it's a roller coaster like that is part of my authenticity is like I'm up I'm down I'm all around because I just I am very in touch with my feelings and I um externally express those and so rather than um suppressing them or muting them or minimizing them as I did for so much of my life I have now learned to listen to them and embrace them and and that is required mm-hmm. to to be in close friendship with me of in close relationship with yep. me like it I think we need a whole nother podcast about 
loving well, grooving well, resting well about singleness and dating yeah. because I know that that's a journey that both in, both of us have talked about, especially in the online dating world and how do you – you know, I think there's a lot of messages out there mm-hmm. that are like hold back at the beginning, you know, and, and keep it very like yeah. minimized and stage is progressing and and – so yeah, I don't want to go into that conversation yeah, now because I think we need to do it yeah. <laughs> like full out. But but I I love that you and that story that you told me about uh, the cost of being in relationship with me. I know we've talked about that before, mm-hmm. and um and saying that up on the front end without and and you express that without going into your trauma and all of that stuff like yeah. and, and so there's a healthy way to do that. But uh, yeah, just again. <laughs> another conversation will need to be had but i think i think just acknowledging those feelings listening to your heart listening to your body approaching yourself with curiosity and compassion understanding and and understanding that that resentment bit is an indicator for boundaries for continued compassion for yourself for inviting people into a place of healthy relationship i think if we as a community of people we're more aware of yeah. our emotions, listened to our emotions, acted accordingly, responded accordingly, trusted our voices, trusted our bodies, trusted our hearts, and ultimately, like, trust the Lord. Like, Absolutely. everything we're talking about is not some, like, crazy, like, voodoo, like, emotional mm-hmm. stuff. Like, the Lord gave us emotions. The Lord gave us our bodies. The Lord gave us our, mm-hmm. our nervous system. The Lord gave us our brains. And while, yes, so much of that is is earthly, Yeah. Like they are there as tools in our life to help us navigate this life and to walk through this life. And so um, I I just, I have found so much freedom in not ignoring my brain, my heart, my body um, as as I navigate through triggers and boundaries and all of these different things. And you encourage me and you encourage, I believe, so many people that you interact with to step into that space. And so I'm very grateful for you. Thank you. In that. So if you were to kind of sum up, uh, easier said than done, but if you were to kind of leave us with one more bit of information of encouragement Mm -hmm. about this concept of, of grieving well and approaching yourself with curiosity and compassion, um, what, what would you share to somebody who says, Hey, I listen to your story. I listen to your journey and where you're at. I want to approach that life mm-hmm. with health. And I want to listen to myself better. How would you encourage somebody to to start that journey mm-hmm. of learning how to grieve well and be honest with their emotions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, one of the most important things that I have to remind myself of often um, is you're worth taking up space. And so... Yeah. It's okay that as you start to practice slowing down, taking a, taking a rest day, choosing not to respond to emails and going to sit out in the sun for 10 minutes to be brave and say, oh, that joke actually hurt my feelings. Like whatever the small little tweak is that you're making, um, that you are allowed and you're worth taking up space. And so learning that that rhythm of grief um, can start really simple with like a journal prompt. I, I love to help people do grief journals and say, hey, Holy Spirit, like what do I have to grief? Like that's a really safe, you don't have to, you don't have to hunt your way through past trauma, 
like I was kind of asked the Lord, like, hey, Holy Spirit, like, what is there grace for me to grieve right now? And I might not hit everything, right? There's layers and layers and layers. So, okay, what actually do I have grace to grieve right now? And just start journaling, type it out, talk it out, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and again, the goal is not to get over it. Not, it's not to move through it. It's not to become a more healthy person. It's literally just to say, I see you. I honor you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably the two things. You you are worth taking up space and get in the habit of when your heart shares something with you. You say, thank you for sharing that with me. Whatever it is, no matter if it's a really big reaction or a trigger moment of like, oh, wow, that was really painful for you. Thank you for sharing that with me because you didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Goodness. I We could talk forever. <laughs> And we will talk again. I love you so much. And I'm so thankful for your wisdom and your story. And like I said, the way that you invite people, but specifically me into mm-hmm. this place and this journey of of health yeah. and growth. And so um, I just, I'm so happy that we had this conversation. I'm so happy that people get to hear your voice and people get to learn more about you. So if people want to connect with you further or even work with you mm-hmm. further, how would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Um, check me out on Instagram. I'm at, at Bridget Blood. Oh, that's my last name. That's always fun. Bridget Blood, very memorable. Um, and then my website is recoveryourlife.co, not .com, .co, recoveryourlife.co. Um, You'll have more information just about me on Instagram, kind of what it looks like in everyday life to grieve well, rest well, love well. Um, But if you would love to do coaching one-on-one, you want to do couples coaching, um, you're a leader and you want to see what this looks like. I've had some awesome opportunities to go and join leadership teams on retreats and be able to actually take time in, in leadership to say, what does it look like for us as a team? to grieve well and to take care of our company or congregation or whatever that may look like. So that's fun too. Feel free to reach out. Uh, A DM is great too, and I'll get you in the right direction. Amazing. And we'll have a bunch of those links in the show notes as well. So you can follow her, connect with her, read all about it, all of that stuff. So, all right. Well, I think that wraps up today's conversation and um, thank you so much, Bridget, for your time and for your words. I love you so much. And um, yeah, thanks so much for being here. I I truly believe, I say this at the end of almost every episode, but I I really, really believe it that um, my hope is that after every episode, people leave feeling a little less alone Mm. and a little more seen. And and I think you encouraged us to do that today. So thank you so much. Mm, Thank you. Of course. All right. We'll see y'all next time. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Grace for the Growth podcast with Courtney Leo. I hope that this conversation encouraged you and inspired you on your own growth journey and as you pursue a life full of authenticity and freedom. I want to encourage you to interact with us on social media at Grace for the Growth and at Courtney Y. Leo. Also, if you've got any ideas, way that these episodes have impacted you or encouraged you, I want to invite you to either DM us or email us at hello at graceforthegrowth.com. Until next time, I challenge you to embrace your story, welcome the messy, sit in the unknown, and live authentically. Bye-bye now.